It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The Matthew Wright Show on Crucible of Broadcast Excellence. Talk Radio. Put it on and keep it on. Too busy to catch us on the afternoons on talk radio. Too many children to care for. Too many jobs to manage. Well, never fear. Help is here in the shape of the Matthew Wright podcast, where we cut down three hours of entertainment and enlightenment every afternoon into tiny bite-sized morsels just for you, you busy so-and-so. So sit back and enjoy the best of the Matthew Wright show here on talk radio. A little bit of good news connected on, to Flybe. In the last 10 seconds, Logan Air, Scotland's airline, uh, has uh, announced it's going to be uh, taking up to 16 of the routes, domestic routes, formerly flown by Flybe, uh, including, I believe, Cardiff. So um, there, there is some good news, but tell us the bad. Well, Kevin. that will be good news because the thing about Flybe is it... Uh flew to, Domestically, very, it, uh, yeah. to, to off-grid destinations, the lesser destinations, so a lot of people relied on it. But uh, nevertheless, it is the end of the runway for budget airline Flybe after it dramatically collapsed overnight, blaming coronavirus, of course, mm. for plummeting ticket sales. So sudden was the low-cost European carrier's demise that passengers were turfed off jets while waiting to take off. In the early hours of this morning, the Civil Aviation Authority confirmed that Flybe had ceased trading trading with immediate effect. The devastating news spells unemployment for 2,300 staff and financial disaster for customers who have paid thousands of pounds for holidays. To make matters worse, a massive political row looms amid questions over why the government pledged £100 million of public money in January to bail out a struggling airline that simply wasn't viable. Uh, Let's talk to uh, airline analyst and uh, a former communications director of Virgin Atlantic, Paul Charles. Hello, Paul. Good afternoon. Uh, interesting. Virgin Atlantic, of course, uh, were one of the owners of Flybe. Uh, mm. I might say there was something of a motley crew seemed to own this uh, airline. It was uh, uh, Virgin Atlantic, the Stobart Group, and Cyrus Capital, an American hedge fund. So, uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, that seems doesn't seem like a way to run an airline. Well, does it, or to me, it says that they, there's investment and they thought there would be a return. Absolutely. I mean, clearly there was an opportunity that they saw. Um, It is an unusual mix, there's no doubt about it. But they saw the opportunity to put money into this struggling airline and to get it out of its hole. Um, The problem was the entire market turned against them. So not just the government failing in the end to support them, but also, of course, coronavirus leading to less demand and the fact that you have to question whether this is a viable operation anyway. They flew 83 routes. Um, They were the third biggest airline in Britain. But there simply isn't enough demand to fly on some of these regional routes between, say, Southampton and and, uh, Edinburgh. So when you haven't got enough demand... Something's got to give. Can, can we just go? But let, let's go back to what you, you just said, Paul, which is that they must have seen opportunity. 
Yeah. They, they, so, so what was the opportunity they saw? Because the problems you've uh, uh, just discussed or, or brought up are problems that, that would have been in existence before they, they piled in. That's right. They inherited actually a bit of a dog's dinner. They inherited a very high uh, cost base, a very high cost structure. They inherited aircraft that weren't as fuel efficient as they should be, especially in this eco era we live in. And they inherited an operation that, frankly, had to reduce its cost sharply. Now, they didn't have long enough to do it before the demand then turned against them anyway because of coronavirus. So they weren't given a chance, to be fair to them, to add the spice, the touch of magic that was needed to rescue Flybe, and that's why we're in the hole we are today. Uh, British Airways and Ryanair protested furiously in January that it wasn't the government's position to be bailing out uh, what they saw as a doomed airline. Probably Uh, worth mentioning that British Airways is now owned by a company based in Spain, so so it's outside. However, they they claim they're viable airlines and the government shouldn't be bailing out unviable airlines. But, of course, in the face of these protests, the government actually held back that hundred million, uh, and Flybe never got it. Was that a big factor in it uh, being grounded and uh, reaching the end of the runway? Well, there were two big factors. One was that the government would not step in in the end, and and it's you could argue it's understandable they didn't step in because they need the money to focus on coronavirus initiatives, which are badly needed in the NHS. And secondly, they simply Flybe simply ran out of cash. I mean, it literally turned, the market turned against them in the last two weeks. So if you, if you look at that, you think, my word, they didn't even have enough to last but, for two weeks. But hang on, Paul, Richard Branson's a billionaire. He saved oh, yeah. a huge amounts of tax by moving parts of his business out of the UK. So he's, he's quids in. He, I mean, he's, he's in the autumn of his life. Why don't he, why don't he dip into his own fortune? Yeah, you know a bit about Richard Branson. 2,000 jobs, jobs in the balance. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah. I used to work for him. I mean, he's, he always looks for an opportunity. He's very optimistic. He believes that uh, situations that may look tough can be solved. And that's what he believed in Fly B, that there is a need for a regional carrier that is moving people between regional cities and connecting the UK. But if coronavirus, if coronavirus is going to impact o- o- on ticket sales, I can get that, but it surely would only be viewed as a temporary blip and therefore Branson would only need to dip in his pockets long enough to, to bridge that gap, the coronavirus gap? Well, that's the risk-reward, isn't it, that entrepreneurs take and, and I guess, uh, people like the, the hedge fund as maybe well. Maybe not enough risk it. and a little too much reward in Branson's well, case. Or, or maybe maybe too much risk. Well, he's, he's the billionaire and 2,000 people are going to lose their jobs. So, you know, I'd say that's yeah. a little bit less risk, a little bit too much money. Who knows? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he says. He hasn't, uh, I believe, commented publicly yet, but I would have thought he would do and will take something into account, even whether there is any of Flybe that may yet be rescuable. I mean, as you say, Logan, Logan Air is moving in on the routes. Yeah. The 80 odd routes. It's only a small number. Personally, I don't believe there is anyone now that is going to come in no. and resurrect what was Flybe. Yeah. I don't believe the larger airlines who do still have some cash are able to do it when they are using that cash to shore up their operations during the coronavirus 
um, yeah. uh, situation we face, we find ourselves in. What about I some think of the open air are the ones who are going to be lucky, but there aren't many others who can step in to save any of the roofs. What about some of these smaller airports? Flybe was based, its HQ was Exeter, uh, Southampton Airport, Belfast City, uh, Donegal. Apparently, uh, from what I've read this morning, uh, the, the very future of these smaller airports may now be at mm. risk because of Flybe's demise. Well, Flybe, you're right, accounted for a, the lion's share of a lot of these smaller regional airports. They relied on Flybe. Now, the airports are putting some of them a bit of a brave face, saying they're in talks with other airlines. Mm. But as I say, I don't see many other airlines able at this time to, to cough up to pay for replacement operations. So sadly, the implications are enormous. This is a nightmare for the regional airports. They themselves will have to lay off people, sadly, as a result of Flybe going under. And, of course, it's going to be hard for them to find replacement airlines who can step in to fill the gap and the void left by Flybe. So, sadly, it's going to be a very rough six months for some of those regional airports. The Matthew Wright Show on Talk Radio. Today, it's claimed that one in four pregnancies in the UK ends in a termination. Now, I don't think that's a particularly uplifting headline, but... uh, but what should we make of this? Uh, and is there any connection between that headline and another story I've seen within the mail that we now have a record number of women entering the workplace where one in three of these women fears their employer wouldn't be sympathetic to flexible working? You can't see... There's already a pressure there, isn't there? A sort of conflict between oh, working and, and raising kids. Um, there are kind of... There's other details to this story in terms of, of numbers and abortion. Um, once again, the numbers of women under 18 getting pregnant continues to fall hugely down, I think, to the lowest level that since records began and continuing on that trend. Um, although those figures also um, vary according to um, well, welfare, well-being, uh, the more deprived areas tend to have more as they used to call them in the Daily Mail, gym slip mums. But it's the one in four pregnancies ending in termination that I want to address first and Claire Murphy from the British Pregnancy Advisory Service is joining us on the line to do just that. Good afternoon to you Claire. Hi there, hi, nice to be and, with And to you too. Um, can I, one of the questions that I, I deeply want answered is when I see one in four pregnancies ends in a termination, would that include morning after pills? Oh, no, absolutely. It doesn't. As a morning after pill isn't included as a method of of abortion. The morning after pill prevents, um, probably prevents an an egg from from fertilising in the first place. Right. Uh, No, no, definitely not an abortion there. Prevents prevents an unplanned pregnancy. So what do you make of this statistic then, that one in four pregnancies ends in a termination? Um, Well, I think there's a number of things. Um, to to say about this, I mean, I, I mean, I should make clear first of all, my perspective is, you know, the, the only right number of abortions is the number of abortions that women need. Totally that, agree. That's the that's the position we need to start. Yes. With. But I also think we sort of need to dig deeper beyond what these figures are telling us. And I know it may seem an odd thing to say, but perhaps we shouldn't always ask what the Daily Mail headline is. Well, that, that's why I said I treat these headlines with caution. Absolutely, and that's and that's why we're having this conversation. Um, so I think what we need to look at is what's happened to the number of overall conceptions, yes. um, so, so the number of women overall getting pregnant um, in, in England and Wales, which is what these figures are, are looking at. And what we're seeing actually is pretty much a year-on-year um, decrease. The numbers of women falling pregnant to start with is, is down and it, and it keeps declining every year. Yes. And, so, and then what we're seeing within that... So we've got few women getting pregnant, and within that, though, we've got a slightly higher proportion 
of when women get pregnant, a slightly higher proportion, so nearly one in four of those pregnancies will end in an abortion. But what that overall means is not a massive increase in the number of abortions. What it means is it is a relatively small increase in the number um, of abortions in the context of, of overall fewer and fewer women getting pregnant to, to, to start with. I, I understand. Statistics, statistics and damn lies. No, it's dull, isn't it? Um, it doesn't make such a, such a great headline. But, you know, yeah, so, so but one in four women find themselves um, with, a, with a pregnant, oh, sorry, one in four pregnancies are, are ending in abortion. Um, and, you know, women are making decisions about what to do with, with an unplanned pregnancy. I mean, an unplanned pregnancy is a, is a fact of life. Um, conception fails, sometimes we fail to use it properly. Um, and a planned pregnancy, of course, can also become unwanted or, or difficult to continue when a woman's circumstances might change dramatically for all sorts of reasons, you know, a job loss, a house loss, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, all sorts yeah, of circumstances contrived to, to make it impossible to carry that pregnancy to term or a medical condition may arise with both her or, you know, all her pregnancy. So I think there's lots of different things going on here Without, uh, that we need to tease apart. I'm going to move on um, in, a, in a little while to, to younger women, but perhaps you and I should have a quick word about why why we uh, are slightly cautious about uh, headlines regarding terminations, particularly in the Daily Mail. Um, I'll go first. I get this horrible feeling in my gut that they're constantly digging away, picking away at legislation, and there, there might be a school of thought there that I've seen plenty of stories questioning the, the time limit on abortions and such like. I just detect that it, there's an anti-abortion theme running through a lot of the Daily Mail's uh, coverage. What about you, Claire? Well, I would say the Daily Mail tends to take quite a quite quite a specific line on on some of these on some of these things. But you know, I think we need to remember that this is all happening in the context actually of living in a in a, in a very very pro-choice country. Yes. I mean, the country is actually you know when you look at polls in terms of how support for women's right to end a pregnancy has increased over years. You know, we're now looking at the vast, overwhelming majority of the country saying very clearly that they support women's access to abortion services. Uh, only a tiny, tiny minority want to yeah. take that, want to, want to take that access away from women. So I think, you know, re regardless of how the Daily Mail might spin stuff, I think people are very sensible about this, pragmatic women, you know, people take a supportive position of women being able to make choices okay. of their lives, not least because all of us know someone who's had an yeah. abortion. We might not necessarily know that we know because there is still a job to do on, yeah. on stigma, but, you know, one in three women will have a termination um, in, their, in their lifetime. There are, you know, they're, they're, they're the women we know. The Matthew Wright Show on Talk Radio. So what I hear you scream is in Curiosity Corner today. I'll tell you, it's singing out of tune. It's a very specific form of singing out of tune. Um, it's uh, by a group of people who collectively go by the name 
the tuneless choir. And, and actually, I have to say, relative to some of the other um, magnum opuses you're going to hear over the course of uh, the next 15 minutes, that one, well, seemed in pretty good key. Uh, jo- joining us to tell us all about the tuneless choir is one of its founding members, Nadine Cooper, and she joins us now. Good afternoon, Nadine. Good afternoon, Matthew. What a wonderful, 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 <laughs> liberating, uh, oh, just a wonderful organisation you are, and that's before we've even started the conversation. Um, when did you found the Tuneless Choir and why? Um, we founded it in January 2016, um, but actually the roots go back about 40 years now to when uh, the music teacher put his hand on my arm and said, <laughs> please stop singing, you are spoiling it for everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> Inspirational teaching. <laughs> well, to be fair to him, he was, he was from Yorkshire, he was very direct and uh, honest. And, um, and, you know, he's, he's not the last person to uh, have told me that I'm not hitting all the right notes in the right order. Um, are, are you... Are you an enthusiastic singer? I mean, I, 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 I must admit, every time I get in the car, especially if I'm solo, I sing the whole journey. I, 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 I love singing in my own space. I'm not so sure about sharing it. What about you? Yeah, well, I mean, at school, obviously, at a kind of infant junior school, we sang a lot and nobody was going to criticise us yes. at that point. And You're I all wonderful. Yes, and I love singing. And I think maybe part of my problem is that I just like to go loud and proud and blast it out without much care for quality. Um, and, um, but then, yeah, in my, in my teens, um, it was the 80s, and I, we had Radio 1 on in our, in our sixth form, and I used to blast out songs there as well, and I was, I was known to singing badly. Um, to the point where they, they kind of, as careers advice, we were told to do what, think of, think of what you want to do as a career, um, do something that you're, you're A, good at, and B, that you enjoy. Um, and I was a bit of a girly swat, so I was a bit like, I, I'm good at, good at maths and science and things like that. Oh, one of them, but right. When I, when, I, when I tried to think, what did I actually enjoy as well? The only thought that came to my mind was bad singing. How I'm good wonderful. At now, uh, yeah. <laughs> so the choir, you obviously need more than one bad singer to, 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 to hit the depths of musicality that you, you do at the Tuneless Choir. How did you gather like-minded um, catawalers together? Well, um, uh, it, it, back in 2016, um, I'd been thinking about there should be somewhere for me to sing um, for, um, for quite a while. And... Um, and met Bernie Bracker, who's the other founder, who's, right. uh, who leads what I call proper choirs in the area. <laughs> and she, she, I told her of this idea, and she agreed to run a, a one-off session to see whether anybody else was interested, because she was quite convinced it was only me. Um, and I guess because she'd agreed to organise it, I felt a bit of responsibility. So I kind of uh, I got a photo taken and threw together a press release. And, and fortunately, some, some of the kind of the local papers around Nottingham um, supported us really well. And because it's quite a contradiction in terms of tuners choir. So, um, so we got publicity and um, there were 60 people at the first time. 60, wow. 60. Nadine, on television, there's a, a very successful long running series, Gary. Gareth oh. uh, Malone, the choir. <laughs> now, his whole mission statement is, I can take anybody, anybody yeah. and turn them into a really good choir. Are you and your 60 friends saying, oh, no, you can't, Gareth, there are hopeless cases and it's us? 
Um, I, I think he's very selective. We've had a few discussions with producers because occasionally we'll get approached by his, his show. And they, they want a small number of people and they pick people who uh, can improve. Right. So there are no doubt that some members of our choir, uh, what people would call a music or tone deaf, and they can't hear. And I can hear a very low note and a very high note, and I can tell the difference. Really, really, Nadine, really, really? Because hang on, hang on. We we have a little clip of you, of you. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of the right word: murdering, massacring, destroying <laughs> one of the Britain's favourite pieces of music, Queen's legendary Bohemian Rhapsody. Check out the really easy operatic. <laughs> section in this clip, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Can I ask a serious question, Nadine? Do, do you worry with practice that you might improve? <laughs> and if you enjoyed all of that, make sure you tune in to The Matthew Wright Show with Kevin O'Sullivan every weekday from 1 on Talk Radio.